You can now subscribe and save 20% every time you get Strava Craft Coffee sent to your door with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code, and now you can save 20% off on your favorite coffee forever. You'll never even have to put in your credit card info ever again. It'll make getting that coffee, that rich CBD-infused coffee, sent, getting sent straight to your door. It'll make it that much easier. So make sure you head over to Strava Craft Coffee's website and see what is the best interval for you to get your coffee sent straight to your door. Uh, you have the option of every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And again, 20% off every single time. So check it out and use that code DNVR20 when you do it. And fellas, what if I told you we had a fresh off the presses, brand new intro song courtesy of our guy, Timothy of Pleasure Horse. A fresh Friday intro? Oh, baby, let's go. New season, new intro. Let's hear it. I love it so much like the original uh the original song that we had it will go down forever I mean that's that's a classic we might even have to still mix it in once in a while but the new lyrics there uh are pretty fantastic I I, I maybe it's a little bit of recency bias but I think I might even like this one better oh pleasure horse nailed it again oh my goodness I love it so uh that's awesome uh, he told, he promised me he'd have it in time for the new season, kind of like Zach eating a hot pocket last season, which controversy is still, uh, <laughs> still running amok as to whether you actually ate the hot pocket before the season started. But you know what? Uh, Timothy Evanson came through for us. He certainly did. He never disappoints, man. I love that. That's gonna, that's gonna be with us for a long time. The last one, man, I think we ran with that for over two years two full seasons <laughs> yeah we did so uh so it's great to have that and it's great to be back with you guys fellas uh i've uh, i've absolutely positively missed you uh and i've missed telling the good folks around us about msu denver online of course it'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life it's the colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs top five professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all that I have to offer today. My boys with an S, what's up? So pumped that the three of us are back together on this football Friday, the last podcast before the Broncos actually play real football. I mean, football started last night, so this is just a fantastic day. It really is a fantastic day, and it's, you know, I, I, 
I have a crazy day ahead of me, but I was like, there's no way I can miss the last <laughs> podcast before we jump into the regular season. Um, it's been a whirlwind, guys. And you know what? I just, you know, I got home from my vacation. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to sit down and watch some tape on how Von Miller and Todd Davis are going to shut down the Tennessee Titans oh. on Monday Night Football. Oh, 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 well, yeah, it's been a hell of a week. I mean, <laughs> you, you miss a little during the season, RK. You're going to miss a lot. And uh, frankly, this was as eventful at a week heading into week one as I've ever covered in the last two decades with this team. It's yeah. crazy. And that's not a good thing one week no. away. No. <laughs> Yeah, the, the less news before the first game, the better. And gosh, what a what a freaking gut punch uh, to lose Von Miller. And then you know, yesterday you have the just panic zone uh, of the thought of potentially losing Cortland Sutton. And thankfully, it comes out as you know, I'm putting in air quotes, just an AC joint sprain. We don't know the severity yet of the AC joint sprain, and that's really what's going to tell you just how bad this injury is. Uh, I know like guys like Brandon Stokely have been on Twitter saying I've dealt with it. It's really just a pain tolerance thing. If you just get shot up, which I love how like willy nilly that's thrown around. <laughs> um, if he just gets shot up before the game, he could play. But like, you know, that's, these things vary. Um, I'll just say, thank goodness it wasn't a collarbone or anything like that. Uh, but you know, we still just don't know how, how bad this is. I remember Trevor Simeon had like a grade five AC joint sprain, and that's when he started growing a second head on his shoulder. Yeah, so, you could, you could mm -hmm. see the five written on it from far away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you just hope it's not that bad. Um, you've heard lots of varying, you know, uh, opinions on just how painful this is and how each grade can affect it. So uh, where are you guys well, what are your feelings uh, now that you know it's not too bad, but we still don't know how bad it is? Well, it's funny I'm saying relieved to know that it's an AC joint, but then I do have to, because I think everyone's mind went to the worst because you just got the Von Miller news that, you know, he's out for the season. So everyone's mind went there. Oh my gosh, is, is Cortland Sutton going to be done for the season? So it's funny that I sit here today, less than 24 hours from the injury, and I'm saying, oh, it's a good thing. But when you think short-term, it's, it's a horrible thing. If you're not going to have Cortland Sutton, this is Drew Locke's favorite target all throughout camp, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, potentially the best player on offense that you may not have week one. And if you do have him week one, it's going to be tough for him to do those jump balls that he's really good at. So long-term, relief. Short-term, uh-oh. Yeah, and I think it's sort of like uh, we can say with Bradley Chubb a little bit is he going to make this injury worse by playing? And that really depends on the severity of the, of the injury, because if it, if it is a severe AC joint sprain, then uh, yeah, you can follow what Brandon Stokely said and you can shoot it up. But then the problem is going to become when you end up, if you end up lunging for a ball and landing wrong, and then you've got a good chance of exacerbating it and turning an injury that could really be day to day for a couple of weeks into something that you're where you're measuring the time frame in weeks, if not months. So obviously they're going to lean on Cortland Sutton and, and what he tells them. But I think caution is in play here and uh, it would not surprise me if he's out for week one, just because 
you don't want to do something that turns an injury that could cost him a game or two into something that costs him four or five. Yeah, this is a, this is a weird one. And, and I, I'm with Zach. It's like, it's, you're relieved, but you're worried. And, and the, the thing I do know about this from talking to players who have dealt with it is the unfortunate thing about this is this is going to bother Gordon Sutton all year. Um, it's not one of those things that you say, Hey, just, just ice it for two weeks and it'll be good to go. Like, it's going to hurt uh, when, he get, when he lowers his shoulder. It's going to kill him. You know, when, uh, when he reaches up for balls, it's going to bother him. It's going to, unfortunately, unless it's a very minor, uh, which, again, we don't know. Uh, but it, it's going to bother him probably until the offseason next year when he gets to not do anything with it for, you know, months on, on end. Oh man, it, it really stinks, and it's 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 so unfortunate because you lose Vaughn earlier in the week. Now Cortland Sutton's questionable for Monday night. Guys, how much have these two injuries impacted the way you view Monday night? You know, it's weird. I don't want to overstate this, but I thought my feelings about this team changed a lot with the Von Miller injury. But weirdly enough, the the Todd Davis cut really impacted my feelings on this team. Wow, um, the voluntary move. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not because Todd Davis is so amazing uh, that cutting him was, you know, was going to, you know, take the feet right out from under the defense. But it was this idea that, saving $5 million for next season was more valuable than Todd Davis to the front office that made me say, whoa, that is not a win now move at all, which makes me worried about what John Elway and this front office think of what this football team is going to be this year. And the interesting thing is that as we've learned in the last 24 hours, after the injury to Vaughn Miller, the Broncos were prepared to turn right around and give that money and maybe a little bit more to Clay Matthews, who declined and will not be a Denver Bronco. So it's it's interesting to me. Now that being said, you do need all you do need all the carryover you can get going into next year. But I'm not sure that this would, that Todd Davis would have been a sacrifice that I made at the final cutdown, especially when one of the more important players in terms of determining this season's outcome is going to be the guy next to him, Alexander Johnson. Can he build off of last year? And a lot of what Alexander Johnson did well, guys, was because Vaughn was because Todd Davis was next to him because Todd was able to get everybody set up. I mean, even Justin Simmons on his zoom conference this week, talked about how Todd Davis helped him get set up. And Justin Simmons is one of the most aware, smart guys on that defense, and yet Todd was helping him diagnose things pre-snap. This is why, I mean, just this is why I think he kind of took some of the brains out of the Broncos' D by letting go of Todd Davis. I still don't agree with the cut. Well, and one thing that Justin said was, Todd, you can't replace Todd Davis. That came right after he said you can't replace Von Miller, which everyone agrees with. And he said, I don't mean to throw this around twice in a row, but you can't replace Todd Davis. And like you said, Mace, that's coming from Justin Simmons. And Ryan, I think you, you, you nailed it on the head when you specifically said John Elway and the front office. 
because Vic Fangio, when asked about Todd <laughs> Davis, uh, did not seem like he wanted Todd gone. He said, unfortunately, we had to let go of Todd. You made the move. So that tells me I'm not quite sure Vic made the move. Yeah, and, and you hate to you hate to start going down that road again, which is, you know, John Elway running, you know, for lack of a better term, a dictatorship over there and, um, you know, just doing things on his own. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to panic, but I just, you know, especially from a different perspective for me being out of town and just kind of taking in the news once every few hours and reading tweets and that sort of thing, I was like, man, if the best thing you can say about this move is that it's saving you some money for next year, that is very the opposite of what we used to think we knew about John Elway, which is that he wants to win this year every year. Um, and, you know, it's not as if Todd Davis had character concerns or locker room concerns or anything like that. So, I mean, that was truly the only good thing you could say about that move. Uh, and, and so that just set me down a path of like, huh, what do they, what do they think this team is? And then you lose Vaughn Miller. And, then, <laughs> right. and, and now you might not have Cortland Sutton. Uh, and I thought Todd Davis was going to be a really important part in slowing down Derrick Henry. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to gather up my optimism because I do still really believe in, in Drew Locke making the next step this season. And I think Jerry Judy is going to walk into the NFL and be instantly impactful. And the backfield of Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay can do great things. And I actually have tons of faith in Jeremiah Atachu and Malik Reed to hold things down at the outside linebacker position. Uh, but it's, it's like, you know, you're trying to balance both things. And uh, it's certain, you know, I certainly can't sit here and just throw out an all positive outlook heading into Monday night. I'm, I'm worried. But I will say this, that's the most positive outlook that we've had <laughs> over the last few days in regards to this. So uh, thanks for injecting that. The, the thing is though, if you, by taking Von Miller and Todd Davis out, you're, you are impacting this game potentially heavily. Now, that said, Derrick Henry is more of a second half of the season runner than a first half, something Zach and I got into yesterday. So maybe you can kind of get by a little bit. The problem, though, by, by letting go of Todd Davis and losing Von Miller, I think what you've done is you've, you've taken a tear off the ceiling for this defense. I think this, this defense... Going into last week, I thought this defense could be elite. Number one, number two, number three in the league when all yep. was said and done. Back to the level that in terms of ranking, maybe not in terms of overall dominance, but in terms of the numbers back where it was in the mid-2010s. Now, I still think it's a top 10 defense, but is that defense going to be good enough to completely carry this team early if the offense is going is going through some inconsistent patches as it tries to find its way I mean Vic Fangio mentioned yesterday when I asked him kind of what what you had time to get into over the course of training camp without OTAs and all that he said that they installed pretty much everything they just haven't had a chance to rep everything in yeah. practice and that's and and that's something that I think is going to affect the offense more than the defense so you you were looking. I was looking at this defense, guys, and I was thinking, boy, if the Broncos want to get off to a, a decent start here, then there's going to have to be a game in Pittsburgh where 
the defense just plays lights out and the offense gets just enough to maybe eke out a win on a Brandon McManus field goal at the, at the final gun, 13-10 or something like that. I don't know the defense is, is capable now of that sort of game. So I'm, you know, I'm going to use the Elway term and I'm tempering my expectations about the start. And, I'm, and as I go through the course of the season, I say, okay, this team might not start well. You're hoping you're six and six after 12, 12 games and then you make a run at the end and be a playoff team. Yeah, Mason, it's pretty much exactly what I wrote on DDNVR.com yesterday about the expectations for the defense. Before Von Miller's injury, uh, this defense could be the number one. They should be a top five defense, and they really, in my opinion, should have been a top three defense. Now, without Von, they can still be top ten. In fact, they can still be better than last year, where last year they came out in terms of points per game and were ranked tenth. They could be ninth, or they could be tenth again and, you know, .1 points better than last year. That's still very possible to have a good defense here in Denver, a very good defense here in Denver. But to me, the Von Miller injury, it doesn't put pressure. Uh, the pressure shouldn't be shifted on Malik Reed and Jeremiah Atachu. No, because that's just unrealistic. The pressure now is on the offense to not start slow, to only have two bad, two bad games in the first eight games, instead of maybe four bad games in the first eight games. Now all the pressure uh, I think is on them. And hey, if anyone can handle it, I do trust Drew Locke. But I also think from what I saw in training camp, it, it's not only going to be Drew Locke. There's a lot of other factors on that offense that, that are really going to put uh, a damper on Drew trying to do that. Yeah, if there was one silver lining I took from the Von Miller injury. It was, okay, now this is absolutely, positively, unquestionably Drew Locke's team. Um, and you know, uh, just in my head, I don't know if this, this scenario would actually play out, but I'm thinking like, okay, there's a, there's a, uh, the team's down at halftime and they walk into the locker room and everyone's kind of, you know, dragging their feet and, and they've got their heads down. And like in the past, you, you might've seen a situation where Drew Locke like side eyes over to Von Miller and he's like, is he going to say something or, or do I got to do it now? There's no one to look to. Uh, you know, obviously Justin Simmons is a leader and Kareem Jackson, but the quarterback is the leader. You know, it should be, it shouldn't be questioned, but when you're a second year guy with five games under your belt and there's a Super Bowl MVP also in the locker room that probably has a bit more respect from everyone than you do, then you might have a tendency to look over there and be like, okay, has he got this or do I got this? And And now Drew Locke doesn't have that luxury. And I think it's going to microwave his maturity a little bit that, Look, man, there's there's no Super Bowl MVP uh, around the corner, you know, coming to have your back. This this is you. You got to go lead, and you got to make this an offensive team. Like you got to figure out a way to do that. And and if you do, then this team's goals are all right in front of them. If the offense sits back and waits for the defense to win them games, well, we're gonna see you know similar things that we've seen for for many years now. Well, Locke had said something in the preseason about the top priority being to avoid turnovers is if this offense is going to accomplish a little more than perhaps we were banking on early in the year, is that something that can be the top priority anymore? Or do you have to make the priority pushing it down, pushing it downfield and maybe taking a little bit of the Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit philosophy. 
But that'd be great if you had your big downfield threat in <laughs> Corlin Sutton. Yeah, but. that's and that that's that's a problem. If Sutton's not out there on Monday, what is the vertical threat going to be to complement what you're expecting from Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay in the running game? And with KJ Hamler still working his way back from the hamstring injury and Jerry Judy in his first game. The guy who might have to step up if Cortland is not out there, guys, and be more than he was last year is Noah Fant. Yeah, or Tim Patrick. You know, you're going to have to lean on him to make some plays for you. It's not a pretty scenario, you know. And the, and the thing that sucks about these latest two injuries, and again, we, we just don't know about Cortland. But the Broncos, um, I feel like there's a couple different strategies you can use in building a team. Trying to really spread it out so that you, you know, you're decently strong at all positions or trying to really hammer it in so you have some really, really strong positions. Well, the Broncos have gone with that one, uh, specifically in the draft recently. They drafted Bradley Chubb to Adam Devon Miller so they could have a dominant outside linebacking core. They drafted Jerry Judy to add to Cortland Sutton so they could have a dominant receiving core. And now you take out those, you know, two important pieces of that whole strategy and now you don't have those dominant units. You just have the safeties and the running backs as dominant units. Um, and it's just, it, it, that, that also worries me. It's just like, okay, like a lot of what they were planning to do was Cortland Sutton takes a lot of pressure off Jerry Judy. Von Miller takes a lot of pressure off Bradley Chubb. And I think what they were going to do, uh, which we still have, don't even really know what their plan was for Vaughn and Chubb, because we've barely seen it, is really try to let – Chubb shine and really try to let Judy shine while the other two took a lot of attention it's definitely out the window for Bradley Chubb and we just you know hopefully it's not out the window for week one for Jerry Judy because you know it it will change my feelings upon how effective he could be in his first game if he's going up against the number one corner on every step yeah we saw what happened with Cortland Sutton as a rookie down the stretch of a promising first season back in 2018 when Emmanuel Sanders was lost, and then he had to face number one corners. He was so constrained by coverage that Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton both were more productive receivers statistically than Cortland Sutton because of that. I mean, you can, you can be a rookie en route to a great career, and with rare exceptions, if you are the wide receiver one and thus facing – the top cornerback plus extra attention from the safeties, it's going to be a bit of a struggle no matter how good you are. So uh, I temper my expectations for Jerry Judy as well if if you're not going to have Cortland Sutton out there for a bit. Which to, to, I know, I know. But to me is uh, maybe more of a reason that Cortland Sutton might be out there um, if only to be a decoy, um, you know, he might end up getting some touches, but I think if he plays, it's really to make the Titans think about their matchups. Um, because to me, if you take Cortland Sutton out of the mix, their matchups are pretty simple. Uh, or, or at least they'll be able to figure out wh what they want to do pretty quickly within the game without worry, worrying about getting burned for it. So I think maybe they do shoot up Cortland. So that's <laughs> still crazy that you just oh. say that. Um, and just say, hey, look, you know, we're, we're going to try to not put you in too many positions to get hit. Um, so, but, you know, be ready for it if it's coming. But really, we just need you to run and take the top off. And 
you know, a couple quick takeaways before we put a, put some predictions in stone here um, from last night's game. You know, I watched, I watched that game and there were a few things that I took away from a Broncos perspective. First of all, the way that the Chiefs make offense look easy is borderline offensive to me. Dude, it's ins- it's it's like everyone else is playing all Madden and they're yes. playing rookie. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like I don't even know. Why. I just watch it and I'm like, this is this is this isn't right. Uh, like it's not fair. I don't know. I'm just like I, after having to watch the offense I've had to watch for the last four years, like this this should be illegal or something. Yeah, but you watched the offense in 2013. I mean, at least we have a somewhat recent glimpse of what this can be like here in Denver. The problem is Peyton Manning did that in year 16, and you knew the clock was ticking on him. And Patrick Mahomes is in year four in the NFL, year three as a starter. And uh, you're just kind of saying, gulp, here we yeah. go. Yeah, he had, a, he had an underwhelming game <laughs> last night that included no interceptions, three touchdowns, and 200-something yards. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's a vulnerability, though, that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can't run at the goal line. Yeah, <laughs> there is go. a belly. <laughs> It's good for, for fantasy owners uh, of Patrick Mahomes and his wide receivers. Um, so anyways, but one thing I really noticed that they do such a fantastic job of is going in trip sets, taking two of those three guys and just sending them down the field, clearing out the middle of the field and just getting someone open over the middle. It's like they, they do that just at will. And it's like, seven yards, eight yards, 15 yards if there's a missed tackle, 20, you know. And I, I was just thinking, like, man, the Broncos really have a chance to do this when healthy. Um, they can, you know, have Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, run a nine, and you can have Jerry Judy run a post, and that, that just clears out everything. Uh, and, and if he's healthy, ugh, K.J. Hamler should be able to just come over the middle, catch a little dump off from Drew Locke, and go to work. Um, Noah Fant should be able to do the same thing on a dr- and I'm just like okay I really hope that Pat Shermer is watching this and how easy they're making this look but again you need all of your pieces to be able to do that you know that doesn't work nearly as well for the Chiefs if they don't have Tyreek Hill out there because that's the scariest person on the field for defense at any moment so that was one the other one that was that was the positive one I was like the Broncos should be able to do this the negative one was Man, Deshaun Watson is freaking awesome, and he is borderline useless behind this offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their tackle, you know, um, I'm forgetting his name. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Titus Young. Yes. No, Titus, uh, Tyus, I don't know. I know who you're I talking forget about. His name. The right tackle. I mean, just looks like he's lost out there. Like, there's – there's one play where Deshaun Watson is running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And, and this guy just keeps giving up on the play like every two <laughs> seconds. I'm like, what are you doing? First, he lets the guy go right by him. Then he just kind of gives him a shove in the back. Deshaun Watson scrambles out to the right. Then he's just standing there again <laughs> as, as the same guy goes and almost gets Deshaun Watson again. Deshaun Watson, you know, dodges it again. And then he just kind of like jogged. And I was just like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? But. It was scary to me just seeing, like, man, just, I don't know if Deshaun Watson got to uncork one all night because every single time he tried, there was pressure in his face. And I just really, really hope that we don't see that happen to Drew Locke because that was frightening, just seeing such a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson 
be ineffective because he didn't have any time to do anything but run around and, and, and you know, take off or throw it away or hit a little check down. Yeah. yeah and, 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 and Go ahead. And that's why this offense, man, the ceiling can be so high because all of these weapons and the youth, uh, but the, the tackles are a huge question. And if you have, like I've said this all off season, if you're going to have a good interior play on the inside and bad tackles or good tackles and bad interior play, you're going to take the good tackles every single time. It's unfortunate that the Broncos have the opposite of that. And man, if, if Drew is just under constant pressure, I saw it all throughout training camp. He can be good. And I was very impressed how he played under pressure, but it's going to be very limited in just how good he can be. Yeah. And and I, I, I'd say this, I mean, he'll make some big plays, but then you're going to have kind of some of the backbreaking mistakes and you're probably, and you're going to have some drives that peter out. If he's under pressure like that, this becomes a feast or famine offense in every way. So when Drew is able to execute the big plays, able to get it off and find a late opening receiver downfield, you're going to be in good shape, but, it's not something you can rely on. The genius of the, of the Chiefs offense is, like you mentioned, you've, you've got the targets that can draw coverage downfield, open things up underneath, and then it becomes this metronomic type of offense that's just, rip, that's just ripping off eight, nine, ten-yard gains in much the same way an average offense that had a good running game would be ripping off four or five yards a carry every time and consistently moving it down the field. They're getting double that. It seems like at, at times. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to bum Broncos out to hear this, but it's just a reminder realistically, unless Patrick Mahomes gets hurt again with the chiefs doing what they're doing on offense and also their defense doing well, as we saw with their ability to exploit the Texans tackles, like you guys mentioned, Broncos are playing for second. Man, how nice would Chris Jones be on this team? We 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 once dreamed that. Yeah. <laughs> what if you had Chris Jones and Jarrell Casey? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you know uh, Jarrell Casey can fill some of the void that you know Von Miller is going to leave, just in terms of creating pressure from that side of the line. Uh, again, I really really believe in Jeremiah Tachu. I, I think Malik Reed is uh, is a high ceiling player, but like. I think Jeremiah Tachu is a starter on many NFL teams right now. Um, the question so I feel for confident in him. Yeah, the question for Tachu has not been whether he's good enough. It's been health the last few years. And last year, he was healthy when he played and started down the stretch. He was effective. So it, the, on, the only thing that gives me pause is the litany of injuries that he had from 2016 onward and just hoping that you don't have a relapse that you don't that you don't have a recurrence of that injury plagued label, which is what led him to be available in the first place four weeks into a season as he was last year. And when you guys say that uh, about Atachu and Reed, which I agree with as well, and, and Reed's ceiling could just could be extremely high. When I say that about those guys, I'm talking about pass rush. Is that what you guys are talking about too? And on the flip side, that's what really scares me about this game on Monday night is Von Miller is such a good player in the run. Now you're not paying him $20 million a year to be one of the best outside run defenders in the league. Certainly not. And that's why we don't talk about it often. That's why he doesn't get the attention for it and the praise for it as often. 
But I think Atachu and Reed can do a good job filling in for Vaughn as the pass rusher. Uh, I, I think that, that Vic is going to have to do a lot to help those guys out in the run game, and that's what scares me so much about Monday night, not having not just Vaughn, but then Todd as well. Yeah, and again, that's where Jarrell Casey might have to shoulder some of that load of just blowing up plays on that side and, and opening up holes and, and, you know, just kind of making things difficult. You saw J.J. Watt last night. I mean, especially on the goal line. He made their life a living hell trying to get through there. So, you know, you he was hope a monster. J- I mean, uh-huh. obviously, Jarrell Casey is not J.J. Watt, but that's one of those things where you can have your hand in the ground uh, and just kind of burst through and just – push people back and, and throw the offense off when they're trying to run the ball. Imagine if J.J. Watt had been healthy the last four years. Imagine yeah. the standards he would have set for yeah. three, four linemen. I mean, he, he basically would have uh, put up some, you know, the kind of kind of numbers that uh, in baseball Babe Ruth put up that took many decades to, to, to outpace. I mean, he's that good. I, I hope, you know, I hope he stays healthy for this, for this reason beyond the human the human side of it but the Texans team even with Deshaun Watson is not going to be much fun to watch when they're on unless J.J. Watt is out there just wreaking havoc yeah man the three I mean in four years he won three defensive MVPs that's that's insane all right let's get uh our names down on some predictions for this season um Zach I don't know if you have some things that you want us to cover here if you just want me to go through what I have yeah let's let's do some predictions just a reminder the first time we did this literally moments after the schedule went out we all had the Broncos at 10 and 6 yep (laughs) it doesn't sound like it's sticking (laughs) (laughs) do you want me to just go right into my record yeah or or you can go with whatever you want all right, well, well, I guess we'll start with our records here. Usually we save that for the end, but we'll flip it around this year. Zach, every year since we've been doing this, my prediction has either stayed the same or gotten better by the end of training camp. Uh, and it sucks, but I, I'm going the other way for the first time ever this year. Um, it just feels like some of the wind has been taken out of the sails. Um, it doesn't change my feelings on Drew Locke, but unfortunately, I just don't think it's it's all going to be up to Drew Locke uh, to to lead this team like I thought at one point. It was just like the defense is going to be great, and Drew Locke just has to take care of business, and this is going to be a playoff football team. I just I, I, it doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like the defense is going to be very good, uh, and Drew Locke is going to have to have a really great season in front of a questionable offensive line. Uh, most notably at the tackle position to get this team to the playoffs. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think they'll compete for it because I still think they do, but I don't feel 10 and 6 anymore. Um, I, I, I'm in between 8 and 8 and 9 and 7, um, and I'll just I'll, I'll lean as I normally do towards the positive side of things and, and move it to 9 and 7, but I'll be honest, even that I feel like – feels optimistic for me even yeah yeah and I totally understand that and Ryan just like you I always get uh more optimistic about this team throughout training camp but this year even before Vaughn's injury I was leaning and in fact I was going to choose the Broncos to go seven or nine and seven 
before Vaughn's injury just because of I really saw that the offense is going to take some time to crank up. Still thought the defense would be great. Thought the Broncos would be in the playoffs at nine and seven. But when you lose Vaughn, you don't have Vaughn on your team for him to help you get zero wins. So when you lose Vaughn, you have to take a win or two off. And so I'm going eight and eight for this season with the Broncos. They're going to be uh, in the playoff conversation, but I think this team is going to be extremely streaky and not to give away my Monday night pick, but start the season tough, just like last year, maybe and three, but then I think they end the season on a little bit of a run and, and we'll be having a similar conversation at the end of this year that we did last year, just in a different way. But then there's going to be momentum going into next year. They're going to just miss the playoffs. And when you take a step back, you're going to feel good. Not, not fantastic, but you're going to feel good about the direction of this team because the offense is going to have proved enough. And then you're also going to be getting Von Miller back, or at least you're going to have a lot of money to spend to try to replace Von Miller. Uh, and so it's, it's going to be a similar feeling. But unfortunately, the, the events the past week really – have taken the wind out of my sails for this Broncos team, uh, definitely making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think now you, you've turned something that I, I thought was a likelihood into something that's a 50-50. I think as well, Zach, they're going to surge at the end. A key is going to be what their record is after 12 games. If, if they are 6-6 six and six after 12, I think they will definitely be a playoff team. Again, that seventh postseason bid is going to help for mm-hmm. in each conference. That all, you know, it used to be that nine and seven gave you about a about a forty percent chance of being a playoff team. With seven teams from each conference, that's going to bump up to, I believe, north of seventy percent of of nine and seven teams uh, would be among those top seven and thus in the postseason. So it will help the Broncos, and I think that expanded postseason is why you'll still be talking about them being in at the end. If they're <clears> – <throat> pardon me. If they're 3-3 three and three after six games, you're ecstatic. Absolutely ecstatic. Yeah. Problem is – the problem is uh, they, they might be 2-4. and four. You, what, If they get to 3-3 three and three after six games, well, first of all, you figure they have to beat the Jets, and then they have to beat the Dolphins. And then the wild card equa- game in this equation, probably the game in New England. and who knows what that Patriot team is going to look like. I mean, you have Bill Belichick talking up Cam Newton in a way he never talked up Tom Brady, but he's also playing a psychological game here because he kind of like Bill Parcells before him will use different tactics for different players. And probably he thinks Cam needs some building up, but that, that new England game might be the swing game that determines whether this team can be a postseason qualifier or not. If they're three and three after six games, I feel pretty good that they're going to have enough to come home at nine and seven and be a playoff team when all is said and done and survive that middle eight games of the schedule, which is where it really, really gets rough. So Mace, are they middle three and three? Games. Are they, are they going nine and seven? What's your prediction? Uh, they're going nine and seven. They're going to be three and three after six games, but people are going to be panicking early because I think they're going to be a win three after three weeks. Oh wow! And then a three game win streak though. Yep. Yeah, the that'll AFC, be uh, quite the roller coaster. I they're gonna go unbeaten against the AFC East. I'm predicting that right now. So they're gonna that's gonna include a win over Buffalo at home in December when they get momentum. I just 
I really hope you guys are wrong about the 0 and 3 start. Uh, that would just be such a shame because people are so excited and and for good reason. Um, I don't think they lose. You know, I guess we're going into the game here. I don't think they lose Monday night um, for a couple reasons. The Broncos never lose in home openers, and I realize that fans play a role in that. But there's also a lot of other things that uh, that are in play there, uh, and. I do have to keep reminding myself the team that Drew Locke did this with at the end of the season, the team that he went four and one with at the end of the season, that team was playing inspired football. They believed in Drew. They believed in each other. Uh, And I think that this team is still going to have that about them. Uh, I think it's going to be tougher for them, but I do think they're going to win uh, on, on Monday night. I just, it just feels uh, the Broncos losing a home opener. I don't know if I've ever, I've, seen it uh since i've been covering the team and this is with with trevor simeon at quarterback and pax not paxton lynch uh case keenum at quarterback and joe flacco at quarterback and it's just like they, if lost, they, they can lost. do it with those guys they can do it with drew lock now you're talking about the home opener being in week one because they lost the home opener last year with joe flacco right that's true to that's the chicago true. bears and Shouldn't have, though. They basically won yeah. that game, in my opinion. <laughs> and then another home opener that kind of echoes through my mind a little bit and may reflect how this game is going to go. The second half of the Monday night doubleheader, back in 2011, they faced the Raiders at home and lost by a field goal. A very 2011. Frustrating, yeah, <laughs> a, a very frustrating game that could have easily gone in the other direction. Kyle Orton made couple of mistakes when you could least afford them and uh, I don't know where the mistake is going to come from from the Broncos it might be a a missed tackle of Derrick Henry it it might be A.J. Brown getting loose it might be trying to force the ball down the field if you don't have Cortland Sutton or if Cortland's not 100% but I feel like things are just adding up to where one or two mistakes is going to be the difference against a Titans team that since Ryan Tannehill became their quarterback last year, simply doesn't make many mistakes, doesn't give you much, much wiggle room. Yeah. And unfortunately for this game, I was at the beginning of this week, I was so on the edge of who I thought was going to win, given the slight edge to the Broncos. And then with Vaughn out, it just, I think it's going to be very tough for this team to stop Derrick Henry without Vaughn or at least slow him down. And the way the Titans have played down the stretch, it's all been about Derrick Henry. I do think Derrick Henry tops 100 yards and the Titans get the win. Uh, I, I think it's a very close game. And I've kind of, I didn't know what the line was in Vegas, but my head it w- was exactly in line with what uh, Vegas and DraftKings Sportsbook thought because. The Broncos, with Vaughn, were one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. And like I was saying, I was leaning the Broncos just a little bit. Without Vaughn, now they're two-and-a-half-point dogs. And that's kind of exactly what I feel. I think the Titans get this game 24-20. to It's a close game. But in the end, the defense just doesn't have enough, and the offense just doesn't have enough. I'm with you uh, in terms of the offensive output cl- or close to it. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, just kind of a, an ugly one. Um, I think that Philip Lindsay makes a big play at some point in the game to spark the Broncos offense. 
and I think that they end up winning this football game 21 to 17. Mm. I like that. I like that. Now, Mace, what's your, what's your score? 24, 21. And I think this is, I think like you mentioned, RK, there's going to be an explosive play from Philip Lindsay. I think with Melvin Gordon, they're going to be better running the ball in the red zone. And that's going to, even without, without Cortland Sutton, potentially if he's not out there, that's going to lead to a touchdown where may, whereas you may have had a field goal in past years, but I think Derrick Henry is going to gradually overpower the Broncos and uh, the front three, the front three plus Alexander Johnson's only going to be able to do, but so much, and he's going to get loose and it may resemble Leonard Fournette in the way he ran on the Broncos in the second half of that week four game against Jacksonville last year and there may be some explosive runs for 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 Derrick Henry that allow the Titans to overturn maybe a one score halftime deficit and ultimately eke out the win and leave the Broncos at 0-1-1 sorry guys I hope I'm wrong I hope I hope I'm wrong but I do also have to remind myself like we said yesterday this isn't the nine and seven Titans you know, this, this is a, a double-digit win team. This is a team that was in the AFC Championship game last year. This is also a team that I realized there was, you know, less of a threat of a pass, but the Broncos absolutely bodied Derrick Henry the last time they saw him. And, yes, Vaughn Miller's not in the mix, but, you know, this team didn't get run on by anyone once they put Alexander Johnson and Mike Purcell in the mix. Yeah, they bodied, they bodied, yeah, they bodied Derrick Henry, but you know what uh, happened to the Titans – four times in the first six games, but then didn't happen at all after that. What's that? They got, they got held to fewer than 20 points. In four of the first six weeks last year, they scored 17, 7, 7, and then zero against the Broncos. Then, lo and behold, they put Ryan Tannehill in, and they never scored fewer than 20 points after that. It's a, diff- it's a different team, a more dynamic team, with Ryan Tannehill providing – just enough accuracy, just enough of a threat to, to, to force defenses to play them honest. And, uh, that's, and that's why, again, this is just, it's a different team. When, the, when they left Denver, they were 2-4 and four and looked like they were headed nowhere at that point. They went 9-4 and four after that, including the playoffs. And so even though the Titans, the last four years, you'd say, boy, that team could go 9-7 and seven forever. This looks more like an 11-win type team than a 9-win type team. The last – to me, it all comes down to Derrick Henry, keeping him under 100 yards. The last six games of last year, the Broncos did that three times, and they didn't do it another three times. So they're they're very capable uh, of doing it, even without Von Miller. Because, Ryan, just like you said, I really do believe in Jarrell Casey. So this is going to come down to Vic. How can he scheme up the defense to make sure that they can contain Derrick? The one thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that, uh, you know, a lot of these running backs, it's so important to have speed at linebacker to slow them down. It's not quite as important when you're defending Derrick Henry and the Broncos don't have it. So Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell are going to have a chance to, you know, get, get in there and get their nose in there and they're going to have to make plays. I thought you were going to say it's important to have speed. And the good thing is the Broncos have Josie Jewell. <laughs> oh come on go ease up on Josie man <laughs> no, if you can no, tackle no, a cow, right you now. can tackle Derrick Henry that's <laughs> what I've always go. said <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and uh, Josie has experience with the first. He does. He does. Uh, you, all right. you, you can't tip over Derek Henry like you can tip over a cow, though. That's the problem. <laughs> Got to get him at the legs, no matter who you're, which one you're trying to get. Hey, that's Bless how him. I always tackled in high school football. Went for the went for the feet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, tonight I'm heading to a wedding, boys, uh, and I'm super excited for that. My boy Tyler is getting married. I'm doing a speech. It should be a fun time. Ooh. And you know that at the wedding, the Breck Brews will be flowing. Uh, and really, for anyone, they should be flowing all weekend because we got college football on Saturday, NFL football on Sunday, hopefully a Nuggets game on Sunday if they take care of business tonight. Uh, and then, of course, leading up to the Broncos on Monday Night Football, hopefully some of you can make it down to the DNVR bar where, of course, the Breck Brews will be flowing. So whatever you're doing this weekend, make sure you get in on some Breck Brews and, uh, you know, enjoy whatever type of beer you like. Breck has something for you. So check them out and get loaded up for football season. Mm, that sounds so good. And speaking of getting loaded up for football season, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a deal that will load you up because last night was just the warm-up for Sunday. They are getting ready and going all out. Guys, listen to this offer that DraftKings Sportsbook is offering. They're giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team that's right you can place a one dollar bet on any team and if that team wins you cash a cool benjamin how can you pass up that offer you can't so make sure to go to DraftKings sportsbook download the app and what's great about it is it's safe secure reliable you can withdraw your funds at your convenience so go to the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use the promo code dnvr when you sign up to get this can't miss offer pick any team during week one Bet $1 on them and win $100 if they win. $1 to win $100 when using the promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, fellas. Well, I got this, uh, this wedding that I got to get to. I got a bet show that I got to do. I got lots of stuff on the plate. So I'm so stoked I was able to join you for the first segment. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to hang out with the good, the good folks in the comments today. Of course, we'll be doing a post-game show after the game on Monday, uh, which will obviously uh, break down everything that happened. And then also, just a reminder for all the listeners, we're going to be debuting our Sunday morning football show uh, this Sunday, it's going to be live in that hour leading up to football when you're sitting there saying, uh, do I watch this ESPN show or the CBS <laughs> one? It seems like they all kind of suck and none of them talk about the Broncos anyway. Well, we'll be talking Broncos heavily Boom. on our Sunday morning live show. So uh, make sure you tune in live as we lead up to football in the last hour there. And I think I'm breaking news here about this. So uh, I hope you guys tune in on Sunday. And uh, uh, until then... Have a great day, guys. Ryan, welcome right. back. Glad to have you on today and just have a blast of a day. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you, man. That's a good toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the toast is very important to nail. A, a lot is on I think, you. I think I got this. All right. <laughs> See you guys. See, See ya. ya. All, All right, right, Mace. Let's hop into the comment section. Talk to the people. First one coming in from H-Town Bronco. Now Cortland Sutton. The Broncos are cursed. That is all. 
convinced John Elway sold the team, sold to the devil to win Super Bowl 50. This is just getting ridiculous. We are effed beyond measures. 2020 takes no prisoners. Make sure. I uh, can't read that part. It's oh. about to be a rough year. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you, I, I might've just gone ahead and read that. I'm glad you had that comment now. Cause I'm like, I, I just would have blindly uh, read that, but you can, if you go to the comment section, you can see what H-Town Bronco is getting He's at. He's not painting and, a good picture. No. And, um, and Mace, I did yeah. see that this comment came in before we found out exactly what right. the injury was. So this was after you tweeted what was going on, but we didn't know exactly what it was. So I have to imagine H-Town Bronco kind of just like everyone else went down the path of uh, we just saw Von Miller go out for the season. So Cortland's got to be out for the season. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I was thinking about the possibilities of the, of the injury, given that it was clearly a shoulder, I thought, okay, sort of the, the thing that would be sort of the worst case scenario, he would be a, like a fractured collarbone. But even then, you wouldn't be talking about the whole season with Cortland Sutton. I mean, you were talking about multiple weeks, but not the whole season. Now he's day-to-day. Now, that being said, I was thinking about um, another a great Bronco who played with a, a shoulder injury back in, 20, in 2005. That was Champ Bailey, and he had an amazing season. At, and he played, I think, after week one, played the entire year with a harness. Hopefully that won't be the case for Cortland Sutton because the, if you do have to wear a harness, it does restrict your range of motion, the ability to go get ball. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic there. But uh, just cross your fingers. And uh, like I said earlier, if playing Cortland Sutton on Monday means you could exacerbate and turn something that is effectively day-to-day into a week-to-week, month-to-month deal, then don't play him. Just be cautious. I'm fascinated to see what, what track the Broncos take with Cortland Sutton on Monday night and also what track they take with Bradley Chubb as well. Another guy about whom I've advised caution rather than pushing him out there and having him do too much. I'm shaking my head this whole time, Mace, because I agree with you, but you cannot risk Cortland Sutton or Bradley Chubb in week one. If there's any chance of it getting worse, don't do it. Don't push it week two, week three. I expect a slow start even with those guys, because Mace, I know those guys aren't going to be a hundred percent. But you know what? You can't finish strong if you don't have Cortland Sutton and or Bradley Chubb because you risked him in game three because you wanted to go one and two instead of 0 oh and three. Mace, there is a path. While I think the team goes eight and eight, there's absolutely a path for this team to start 0 oh and three, finish mm-hmm. nine and seven, make the playoffs. I have the Broncos making the playoffs if they go nine and seven because of that seventh uh, playoff team. And I only have them finishing one game away from that. So they're going to be close. But you know what? Without Von Miller, without either Cortland Sutton or Bradley Chubb, the playoffs are out of out of the picture. Yeah, and I would even say this with all with all respect to these first three games here, the kind of games that are swing games that are that will determine whether this team is a playoff team. I would say are all the games against the AFC East, the games against the Chargers, the games against the Raiders, and that game against Atlanta coming out of the bye these are the ones that you could say could go either way and you're gonna have and you're gonna have to win most if not all of those if you're talking about being a, a playoff team so yeah they're winnable but you're but you're you're, pro- you're gonna have to 
you're going to have to be highly effective in those games. You're going to have to take care of business in most of them because you look at these first three games, it's a demanding stretch. You have the Kansas City games. Uh, the first one, of course, is in week seven. You've got that New Orleans game Thanksgiving weekend. So you already kind of look, look at the schedule and see six games where you're like, man, those are going to be really tough to pull off. And then games against teams like Carolina, Miami, you figure you got to take care of business. So then it becomes the others on which the season is, is going to rise or fall. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And Avs watch 22 response to H town Bronco with a pl- pretty hilarious response to see. He says, I have the Breck brews ready to go and the green cross products. Oh. in excess." <laughs> can you mix those two? Well, I, I guess, I guess you can. <laughs> I guess you in Colorado, uh, you certainly can. Yeah, you, legally you can. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure you should. <laughs> Windy city Bronco. 2020 was never the year for this team. The plan was for Locke to show whether he could be the guy, and that plan is moving forward. If Sutton is out for a while, then, and Locke, shows his, then Locke shows his talents by throwing to Fant, Judy, Patrick, and Hamler. 2021 is when this gets real. Locke will have a full year in the new system. Due to the injury, we'll likely have Miller back on a restructured deal. We'll go into the draft and free agency replace Foles, and then we can make a legit run at the playoffs. Even with the injuries, this season is going to be better than 2019, even if it's not going to be as good as 2021. And so seeing that comment, I should, I'll ask you this, this, Zach. Let's say this team actually finishes even a game worse, but Drew Locke shows he's the guy. So the Aaron Rodgers 2008 season. Uh, I don't like that. The if Aaron that – well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Keep yeah, going. I know. Yeah. I'm like, what don't you like about winning a Super Bowl two years from now? <laughs> because that's what Aaron Rodgers did. But if Drew has that kind of superlative season and you know he's the guy, but you go six and 10 or seven and nine, what else happened to cause that? Well, the defense, the defense didn't live up to it because if you know that Drew Locke's the guy, it means maybe the offensive line was bad, but Drew played over that. So I don't think it would be on the offense. Now, the offense probably isn't top five if you're, if you're going, um, you know, seven and nine, six and 10, but the offense was good enough. They were good enough. So it means the defense just totally fell apart and they were not top 10. They weren't even close to top 10. And then unfortunately if you have a record like that you are talking about some changes perhaps yeah in the organization because because and that's another thing you might find out that drew lock is the guy but oh by the way you'd be sitting there with a fourth consecutive losing season right right exactly and you hired vic fangio to master this defense and if that Mm -hmm. happens then that that clearly didn't happen so, Mace, yeah. my, my question to you is, based off of Windy City Broncos' uh, comment, my question to you is, do, does what's happened, and that's kind of all brought our spirits down on this Broncos team in 2020, does it change your thoughts on the Broncos team in 2021 right now? Because we all thought this team could be a playoff team this year, but none of us thought that this was a Super Bowl team this year. We all said the true window of being a, a great team was 2021 do, do you at all feel different about the future in 2021 uh, no I really don't and that's that's the interesting thing what I see is has more of an impact on 2020 and 2021 now 
if Cortland Sutton's injury had been something more serious, then I think the 2021 impact would have been, okay, perhaps this year you find out that Jerry Judy can be a wide receiver one. And then what do you do with Cortland Sutton? Do you, because wide receiver ones are, are starting to cost you 18, $20 million a year. Yeah. And do you pay And when, when you were looking at the possibility before we got the diagnosis, when you're looking at the possibility of Sutton missing some substantial amount of time, the thought occurred to me that what, what if Jerry Judy, after some early struggles, takes this wide receiver one position and runs with it? Yeah. And are you talking about, dare I say, trade, trading Cortland Sutton? You may be. Honestly, wouldn't that be better in the long run than just letting him walk? You'd get more in all likelihood. Now, yeah. again, that doesn't appear like it's, it's going to be in the cards here. Look, fortunately, Cortland Sutton is healthy. But even so, over the course of this year, you might learn a lot about Jerry Judy. It makes you think, all right, what if we can get more for Sutton than if he plays out the, the year and then, and then moves on if we're not willing to pay him? Because, I mean, shoot, they weren't willing to pay Justin Simmons a long-term deal, and here he is sitting here going into you – know, going and playing on the franchise tag. So th there are, I mean, there are so many questions, even though you feel good about where this team is going, there are still a lot of questions here as for what they can do and how they're going to get there. So as much as I don't want to say this before the season starts, Mace, the, the goal, well, I shouldn't say the goal. What you want at the end of this season is to have all of those questions answered. So, you know, I exactly what you need to do for next year ideally but uh, these things have a way of surprising us don't they I mean, they certainly certainly do all right abs watch welcome back rk and my boys there you go so glad to have the three of you back i promise to keep today's comment concise but seriously i knew rk was on vacay i like that rk vacay <laughs> but i've missed rally a lot as they have a presence in our community football is back so is bad injury luck. Sigh. I've been watching some random games on Game Pass, and I pulled up a random Buccaneers game to see DeMar Dotson starting at right tackle. Why does Fangio not start Dotson, who was a starting caliber tackle just one year ago, as opposed to Elijah Wilkinson, who is clearly a backup tackle in case of injury, or in this case, opt out? Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the post-game pod Monday night. Love y'all. Go DMV Army and go Broncos. I don't really have a good answer for you. What, what I can guess is... DeMar Dotson is a one-year plan. He's not the future. That's very obvious. Elijah Wilkinson could, could be the future if you want to convince yourself of that. He's younger. Uh, you could sign him to another deal if you wanted. But, Mace, that's, that's really all I can come up with. Yeah, that DeMar Dotson, he's older. He is on the decline. And Elijah Wilkinson, younger and could be be more could do better so basically you're betting on the possibility of improvement over the near certainty that demar dotson isn't going to get any better simply because physically he can't do the things especially in run blocking that he could do three four five years ago yeah yeah you're exactly right
Before we hear more from our listeners, I want to tell you about MSU Denver Online, which puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into their classroom. And MSU Denver graduates use their degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes. You go to msudenver.edu slash online and find out what they have to offer. 40 plus online and hybrid programs, over 750 classes. MSU Denver believes in value without compromise. Excellent education at a great price. Professors who care about you and formats that fit your life. And you know what? There are a lot of people who are looking to get, they're looking to get more education, maybe looking to have a career change, maybe looking to just expand what they've got on their resume. You know, you want to get that degree, msudenver.edu is a place, to, great place to get it. And the best part is you can do it from the comfort of your home. You can make it work anytime in your schedule. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll take transfers and they'll deliver a high quality education for you without selling out your future. msudenver.edu slash online. Go there Check out any of their 750 classes, 40-plus online and hybrid programs, and you can expand your education, expand your horizons, and expand your possibilities with our friends over at MSU Denver. May something else that's fantastic and flexible is WGT. I, look, I love getting out on the golf course when I can, but it's tough. It takes hours and hours that you have to devote to get out on the golf course, but I really do enjoy it, but I can do that on my phone. With WGT, it, I can play around in like seven minutes. I can I can play 18, take my time, and it takes half an hour if I want to go slow. That's what I love about WGT golf. I get to play golf while being on my phone, so I can be anywhere and it's and and have so much fun with WGT golf. And we want you guys to play with us because we've got an awesome community on WGT golf. So go to dnvrgolf.com. That lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. It's a free app, no charge. So download it. Then once you've downloaded the app, go into the clubhouse section and search for DNVR and the number three. The DNVR three clubhouse gets you in to all of our exclusive access, which includes uh, weekend tournaments. Got one coming up this weekend. So make sure to download WGT to, and, and join our clubhouse to get in on the weekend tournament this weekend. And I love it because it's so realistic. And I love playing the real courses that are out there. So make sure to go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. All right, let's move on and hear from Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, a constant concern in pro sports is rushing players to start before they're ready. It is the unfortunate side of the next man up mentality necessary for long seasons. If you don't believe me, ask Drew Patrick or any other Rockies fans if you'd like, pardon me, 75. <laughs> examples of starting pictures who couldn't cut it despite the promising talent and still holding out hope for Peter Lambert and Tim Melville with the injury bug rearing its ugly head in a year already treacherous enough. Who are you concerned about amongst the deaf being rushed to the field before they're truly ready for NFL caliber play? Mace, I, it, it's a good point from Mark IT snatch and it could be, it, it could be, um, a lot more fitting for baseball because there is way more of a development in baseball with football. I kind of believe what Vic Fangio said last year. I, and I do believe it. I, I just lean more with what Vic said. Um, and if a player's got it, he's got it. 
if he doesn't, he doesn't. Now, there are some unique circumstances that rushing a player could ruin him, but I'm thinking of Jerry Judy, for example. Could he be ruined by being rushed into a number one receiver role uh, early in the season if Cortland Sutton can't play? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be ruined. So in terms of big names on the Broncos, I'm not worried about any guys being rushed and ruined. Yeah, and I'll say this. The only position you really worry about that at, or not the only, but the primary one is quarterback. Right. But I don't think Drew Locke was rushed in. If anything, they kind of took pains to not rush him out there before he was ready last year. But that being said, Vic did express the belief on one of his Zoom conferences in recent weeks that this 16-man practice squad should be permanent and not just a one-year thing to aid in the development of players. So Vic already kind of has the understanding that there are guys for whom development just takes time. It takes a little bit longer. It's why I want to see the NFL have a minor league at some point. College football, it's a free minor league system, as it were, but the problem with college football is player development isn't the priority. Winning games is the priority at that level. So you do things that don't necessarily translate to the NFL, whereas a true developmental circuit in the NFL would be focused on getting players ready for that higher level, sort of like minor league baseball in terms of the on-field product is focused on developing players and getting them ready to progress up and eventually be major league caliber players. And so that that's part of why I'd rather, I'd love to see everything change to where each team always have, has 90 guys in its organization and say 40 of them are your developmental squad that's playing a minor league ball and the other 50 or so are playing in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Mace. Next one coming in from Pig Tosser 66. I love our chances Monday night, fellas. No OTAs and no preseason. Titans are nowhere near full game shape for week one, and they are traveling to play at 52, 80 feet. We got them. Run the rock 40 times, Broncos. Wear them down. Well, you know, the only uh, thing that the Broncos still have in home field advantage is the altitude, but there are a lot of teams for whom they don't have any kind of home field advantage because they don't have uh, the, the climate or the elevation in their favor as, as the Broncos will. So it gives the Broncos a chance to preserve at least a little bit of that home field advantage because, by the way, if they're playing at a limited capacity, you, listen, you, were, you watched that game last night. It sounded like a preseason game <laughs> right. in terms of crowd noise. And I thought I had thought that, okay, you get 25%, 20% in there. They'll be able to make some noise and the fans there did, but it wasn't enough to really have an impact on the game. And even though the intensity of the game itself and the quality felt like regular season felt fine, the atmosphere felt like a preseason game. So I think aside from elevation, there's no home field advantage for the Broncos, but because the Broncos retain that and because teams like say Tampa Bay and Miami retain an advantage of playing in the heat of Florida early in the season, there are going to be a handful of teams that do retain at least some measure of home field advantage when it can be chalked up to climate or climate or, or elevation factors. 
Right. Yep. That, that's a that's a good point. Pick toss had trouble getting that out. Sorry. <laughs> he chimes in again and says, "Nice call, Zach, on the score for last night's game. Almost hit it dead on. I'm excited. I'm expecting this all year now. Well, yeah, I was only a couple <laughs> of points off last night, but I bet you hope I'm wrong for uh, Monday night's prediction. And Mace, I wanted to do this when Ryan was here, but we were up against it." I need your other AFC West picks before we get out of here for this week. So obviously we already did Titans two and a half point favorites against the Broncos. Chargers are a three point favorite going in to Cincinnati. I got to give me the Chargers. Okay. Even with the three. Yeah. hundred percent. I think uh, they're, they're going to play relatively mistake free football losing Derwin James sort of like, the Broncos losing Von Miller, it puts a cap on that defense. They're not going to be elite. They can just be very good. But I think Taylor is going to be a pretty good compliment for what that defense is. And Cincinnati, week one, Joe Burrow, I mean, they've got the unknown factor working for them. But I also think, uh, I, I also think that Joey Bose is going to make life rough for Joe Burrow in his debut. Yeah, I think so too. But I'm going to be crazy and pick the Bengals at least to cover the three points. Man, can, the Chargers are only three-point underdogs. That's pretty nuts, Mace. I, th- I think you're right, but I'm going to go crazy here. And then final one, Mace, Raiders going into New York to face the Jets. Jets are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, and for all that's gone wrong with the Jets, the Raiders are still making a cross-country trip. And that's the other thing that plays into – home field advantage is the fact that that team isn't getting on a plane and the Raiders case, they have a very rotten history when they have to go cross country like this. So I'm taking the jets. Yeah. I'm going to go with the jets as well. Uh, When Sam Darnold played last year, Mace, they were a winning team. Sam Darnold is playing this week. At least he hasn't got mono yet. So he's playing. I'm taking the jets. So (laughs) there's your picks. We'll review them after the games this weekend, man, Mace, football weekend we got a full football sunday that you and i will be able to enjoy every single game of our choosing hey go bucks mace right go tom brady and the bucks this week at least we won't be saying that in a couple of weeks from now big game against the saints first of two tom brady drew Brees duels it's gonna be fun the, the we're gonna see a lot of the bucks this year they uh they got a schedule that reflects the fact that they've got the six-time super bowl winner in their midst i just hope that brady's got a little something left or more accurately that this array of receiving targets which i would argue is the best array of targets that he's had in his entire career is going to help tom brady defy father time for one more year (laughs) yep i think so as well man it's been so much fun what a fun week we've had mace even with the ups and downs it's been so much fun thank you for rolling me and thank you all so much for rolling with us this entire off season football is here and it's only going to get more fun so have a fantastic weekend and make sure to tune in to a live podcast after the broncos game it's going to be late But if you're not able to stay up for that, don't worry. You'll wake up Tuesday morning with a fresh podcast in your feed. Thank you guys so much for tuning with us. Happy football season. Enjoy Monday night and have a fantastic weekend.